Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some that. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's, our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Hey, geeks. Welcome to Geeks of Cascadia. I'm Blue Samurai, and I am with... I'm Rebeculous. And the other uh, dude is... Uh, I am, I'm still Paul. Yeah. Yes, and we are your podcast. And those of you that look at us, YouTube... Uh, program that deals with tabletop gaming and uh, kind of focus on the Pacific Northwest. But hey, if you're listening from a different country, which we have uh, fans from around the world, I don't know why. Maybe because because um, we're charming, yeah. charming, yeah. and we're lovable. You can listen to us because uh, you know tabletop game news is pretty much worldwide, right? So and two of the three of us are adorable. And yes. two of the three of us sound great. Steve, can you get closer to your mic? Just saying, sorry. Your, your face is getting bigger, but you're not getting louder. <laughs> oh, you didn't bring that big protruding. No, I, I don't have oh. that. Oh, okay. No, never mind then. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Crappy. No, no. I'm I... sorry. But we have, do have a great show for you, and that should sound awesome. And that is with Adam Davis with Game to Grow. Yay. Yes. And we have, and uh, many of you, uh, if you're a dedicated uh, listener to our show or watcher, we, you would have seen um, him and his and his buddy, the other Adam, uh, on this show. I think it's episode 47, but uh, just listen. Well, you can listen to the interview, and we'll tell you which uh, which episode that was. But that was a great interview, and we're glad he's oh, doing yeah. well. They and do good work. Just in the world of COVID. So. Yes. Right, Bob? Yeah, Bob agrees. I don't like Bob. Right, right. You need a new background. I'm tired of Bob. Well, I'm kind of tired of Bob, too. I am tired of Bob. I was like, Rebecca and I work in grocery. We're tired of Bob. We are. We veto Bob. Down with Bob. Bob doesn't like what you're saying about him. He's very upset. So, why don't we talk about the con news? (laughs) Con news? Yeah. We've got some stuff coming up in January. We've got, well, OrcaCon as I'm sure you know, is not happening in person. I'm sorry, what what uh, con are you talking about? Um, OrcaCon, uh, which was scheduled, for, was still scheduled for January 8th through 10th, um, 2021. Um, it's not happening in person. Um, the website <laughs> needs some updating because it looks like it is on some points. Oh yeah. But if you go to the website and you click on um, update, um, it tells you all about OrcaCon online. Um, or you can just call Paul at home. We'll have his phone number up here. You can call me at home, and I didn't bring up the stupid phone number. What is the phone number? Now, oh, still, Paul. Well, while you guys are talking, I'll look up the phone still. number. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll put it on the screen I, later. All right. I, I have a joke. Here's the phone number on the screen because okay. I control all that. Doesn't he want to hear my I'll joke? I'll mention it later <laughs> for the audio version of the podcast. You just railroaded um, right through my joke. That's fine. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to tell it before you stop recording. <laughs> okay. Um, but to get all the updates on OrcaCon, because we're still working everything out, um, there's going to be games on Discord, stuff like that. Um, follow us on social media. It's at, pretty much at OrcaCon on everything. Join our Discord. Um, for specific questions, you can email um, info at OrcaCon.org. Also happening, I've never done this, I'm changing windows here and talking to a blank screen. We've got Van Hoover Pony Expo on the same dates, January 8th through 10th. It's mostly online, um, but they aren't discouraging people from showing up um, at the hotel in Vancouver or Richmond, BC. They are, um, that's it. This is, of course, a wonderful um, My Little Pony Con. Ah, remember the that. theme song? They are having a con. They're having a con, 
Because your country can control it and we can't. Well, that's not quite that, but they are not discouraging people from showing up. There are things they're recording at the um, hotel. Okay. Or live streaming. Um, are we going to go again? Are we going to go to, to um, Van Hoover? Yeah. Remember when we went to the last... Uh, oh, there was, there was that time, and that's how I know that thing. And uh, I got to be the head of the pony, and you were the butt of the pony. I was the butt. Yeah, I, I don't think they do ponies and, quite and that way. And then Rebeculus rode us. Yes, that, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, there may be pony play, I'm not sure. So is that who I was kicking with my spurs? That was Paul that then was in me. the back? Yeah, oh, that's why I have these some scars on the sides of my head. a little hard to tell. Um, they're, gonna have <laughs> they're, they're going to have streaming panels, VIP panels, <gasps> costume contests, via webcam, live DJs for home dancing awesomeness. Live DJs? Live DJs for home dancing awesomeness. That is a big change because I tell you what, the dead DJs... (laughs) The dead DJs are so low energy. Yeah. It's awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Themed skits with your favorite Van Hoover mascot performers, meet and greet webcam events, VIP meet and greet webcam events, you can purchase swag. There's a there's some um, MLP uh, My Little Pony um, collector card game tournaments, and there's prizes for best costume, a unique location, and video backdrops, etc. I have a question. Okay. Have Have you two ever uh, cosplayed, dressed up for a for one of these cons? For a convention. Yeah. Um, I sometimes dress as a board member. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was just wondering. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I. I do. I. I'm too tired. I always wanted Paul to be the the pumpkin king for something, but pumpkin king. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I hate that pumpkin king. I know, but it doesn't matter if you hate it. You would be a perfect pumpkin king. Okay. Great. Yeah. Pin pin stripe. Also, I'm too fat. Wow. No. <laughs> I don't think that's well, true, but. So that's, that's con news. news. Um, if you, uh, there's an Orcon, uh, or if you prefer My Little Pony, there's My Little Pony Con in Vancouver. Is there a Which COVID is, con anywhere? You see, actually. How come no one's having a COVID con? And well, we're all having a COVID con. There, there's Christmas con. Christmas con is stay at home. Um, with your immediate family that you live with and um, exchange gifts or don't just stay at home. Yeah, there you go. I can do that. So what do we got for game news? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I have some tabs that I have painstakingly um, set aside here. Um, you know, I was trying to have a theme, you know, like I do. And, and I just, sure. I couldn't come up with one. So the theme is, these are games that looked interesting to me. This one is called uh, Four Humors. Four, like the number, Humors. Uh, and it is uh, it's very pretty. It's um, this Adam, Adam Rayberg. Reberg? Rayberg uh, is the creator of this. It is on Kickstarter, of course. Um, looks like he's pretty much met his goal. Uh, Four Heroes is a very colorful game for one to six players. It takes about 45 minutes, and uh, it's ages uh, 10, 10 and up, so Blue Samurai probably can't, can't play that. Um, it's basically you are a medieval pharmacist. You are seeking medical fame. Uh, you influence the citizens of the kingdom with your personality potions that are inspired by the Four Humors. Um, so each person uh, on their turn uh, – pretty pretty box um uh, you place one of two it's kind of like a deduction thing you place one of two personality tiles on the player and you have to then identify what kind of player that is and it's uh it's a it's a it looks like it's too smart for me uh victory points it's pretty involved actually but it also looks easy to learn it just looks like there's several steps doesn't look complex at all uh excuse me 
whoever has the most victory points wins um, pretty much whoever has the most uh, tokens in a certain region. I didn't explain that so well. So you just have to look at the wonderful graphic that Polly will put up and, yes. uh, and see for you, yourself. You'll see that soon. Let's see. That's four humors, not three, not five, but four. And boy, I guess there's no company. I guess it's uh, this guy, Adam. I look for a game company. It's, oh, it's out of Minneapolis. That's oh, where I'm from. That's where you're from. Um, yeah. So let's move on to a little game from the opposite of Minneapolis, uh, from down under. And it's actually called Croc Attack because they have crocodiles down in Australia. Uh, this one is also ages eight, eight up. So Blue Samurai, maybe you can squeeze into this oh, one. Oh, okay. Three to, three to five players and uh, it's about 20 minutes to uh, play average. Mm -hmm. And it is by this, it's, it's duplicated in French. And it's because this French person is uh, the one that created it. And uh, she is a little, uh, very, very smart French gal who's now living in Sydney. And she skis Sydney, in Australia. Correct. That's the down oh. under Therefore, the Crocs. Uh, this gal has a degree. That's in, a knife. That's right. That's <laughs> right. We don't, we don't do that on this podcast. That's got potato on it. She's she the woman who uh, created this game has a degree in math, mathematics, and physics, and she has a master in computer science. Oh. But she also makes board games. I know. I She's know. smart. I know. She's really smart. She's if a I knew anybody with a degree in mathematics, so I encourage them to make board games as well. Right. Oh, I lost my tab. Be doing. Oh, I lost my actual tab just there. Oh, there it is right there. Oh, okay. no. I know. Tabs are hard for me. Okay, so Croc Attack is super simple, and you can play the croc, or you can play the treasure hunter that has to crawl across Blue Samurai. He must be drinking milk. <laughs> what? <All right. laughs> yeah. Um, so he's anyway. He's basically uh, Homelander with the milk. Oh, my God. <laughs> That, well, that brings up my next game. Uh, Croc <laughs> Attack, by the way, uh, is uh, about 38 days to go on Kickstarter, and it looks cute, and it looks fun, and it's easy to learn. And again, you can Sounds great. Yes. Uh, a board game featuring crocodiles eating people and travelers crossing narrow bridges. That's what it says. And like that's basi yeah, basically what it is. The more treasure you get, uh, or the more, depending on who you're playing, the more people you eat, um, then, then you win. Uh, real crocodiles were not harmed, and they're also not included in the game. So you have to get your own crocodile. Oh, darn it. Okay. I thought yeah. I could do a crocodile. Yeah. So I'm just going to segue from your previous comment about Blue Samurai and his milk addiction. And Homelander. And I'm, there is a I'm boy's game. i our visual fans from me eating on screen. Maybe some of them have fetishes, and they want to see you eat with you stuff know, yeah. dripping out your face. Yeah. Um, Here we go. Okay, back to me. There's a boys' board game, and it's called This Is Going to Hurt, and it's, uh, it's taken straight from the comic, of course. Great. And anyone who's anyone has also seen the, the show. Um, and it's super long. I just wanted to show you that there's a boys' board game. I'm not even going to go into this. There's, there's so many pieces, and it looks really fun, but there's a lot of pieces, and there's a lot of minis, and there's cards, and there's dice, and there's... It sounds like a bunch of fiddly Tokens <laughs> and things like that. Uh, but it is uh, bloody, and there are bloody pictures and gross things taken straight from the comics, which... I am currently reading, and uh, I, it just it looks fun. But it looks like, you know. You should get it and have us play it. Well, it looks pretty and normal. Yeah, if we ever can ever, yeah. ever play games again, yeah. sure. All right, let's go on to uh, a little trio of games um, by, uh, uh, they're called Stephen Rhodes Games. Do we know who Stephen Rhodes is? No. Well, you will after Polly takes care of the whole graphic. Thing. Here's anyway. a picture of Stephen Rhodes. <laughs> he's he's a he's an artist, and he combines this uh, retro uh, illustrations, like in the '50s and '60s, instructional brochures for families, and you know, fire drills and how to keep oh, Dick okay, and Jane safe and all that. But he's of course oh. got some dark humor. Cute little trio of uh, three games. If you get all three games, they come in this really nice looking little uh, box set. Super easy to learn. 
um, super quick to play. Uh, don't talk to strangers. It's about getting your kids uh, to safe places like the school or the dance and not getting them uh, abducted by aliens. There's, oh, uh, <laughs> there's one called Digging for Treasure, and you basically are uh, – kids. they show kids digging in a graveyard, and you can dig and dig and dig, and these cards are worth points. You spread out three different piles of cards. What counts and you can as keep, treasure in the yeah, graveyard? It's what it says on the cards, and the treasure oh. is the amount of points you get. So and it could be you like can, a femur? You, yes, actually. Okay. And you continue, turning over, you continue turning over cards and making points until you decide to stop. And the more cards you turn over, the more there is a chance of turning over the bad card that will make you lose all the cards. Okay. I like that. So, so you can kind of, it's like, let's make a deal kind of. Sort I like of. that. Yeah. Fun with cards and more fun. And then the last game in this little trio is uh, Let's Summon Demons. It's all these kids. Also great, yes. Mm-hmm. More Sitting demons. around a little yes. pentangle and little good little Billy <laughs> is laying in the middle of this, like, you know, upside down star and all the kids have candles. And whoever summons the three demons that they are dealt with in the beginning, they're all these different You have to summon the right demons. Yes, you have to summon your three demons. Oh, okay. Whoever summons your three demons the fastest wins the game. I had no but idea I, there were so many demons. There are I so many. I bet the Catholic Church loves this game. I bet they do. I bet they do. The demons are there's there's Hi, Catholic raised, Church. Yes. I was raised Catholic. Did y'all know that? I, know. I, was. I did know that. And Good of course, friends. let's just uh I didn't want to do it, but it looked cool. Survive twenty twenty is the name of this one. There's actually a lot of COVID like there's COVID opera. We only have like um twenty eight days left. But uh <laughs> well, then you better get this game now. Um, so uh, there's actually a Northern Hemisphere and a Southern Hemisphere edition. Uh, this one we're looking at is the Southern Hemisphere edition, and that will become clear to you uh, because it's a game about seasons and whoever collects all the cards to okay. make these seasons. Uh, you have lost cards, thriving cards, and surviving cards, and it's one of those games where you just do what's on the card. I like and, that. Yeah, I like those too because they're super easy to learn. And, and that's all it is too. You don't have boards or tokens or dice or um, other things. So, um, yes, the full, first player to uh, complete a full year on your calendar wins. Wow. And, um, yeah. But if it's Southern Hemisphere, are you trying to live in Australia? Because it's trying to kill you. They have summer listed as March and April and whatnot. So yes, um, so yeah, that's kill you. that's really the only giant difference. Spiders and kangaroos and you know, those spiders yes. will keep me yes. forever from flying to Australia. Have you seen yeah. those freaking spiders? Yeah, the hun- never, the huntsman. You don't, don't put up a picture of the huntsman spider Urban when you edit said, this. Paul, come stay with me. No. Or Chris no. Hemsworth said, Paul, come stay with me. What if the uh, whole Hemsworth family invited you to stay there? That would be really tough. No. I would go. <laughs> yeah, no, spider's bad. Um, and uh, well, I'm just going to stop there because okay. yeah, that's enough. Some, uh, that's enough, right? Got some news here. Um, I'll throw. Can You're I do pregnant. A- can I no. Oh, can I, I thought you. Oh, sorry. Can I do a screen share? You, you should be able to do a screen share here. I am going to do that. So How can we let go. him screen share and you don't let me screen share? So uh, today we've got uh, some news on the non Kickstarter front. So I'm going to go through that because Rebeculous gets all the good uh, uh, Kickstarter news. So we've Thank got for Warhammer, the Underworld, the the roadmap is coming out, so you can find out. Uh, the latest releases and what they're going to do for the rest of the year. So check that out at Games Workshop. Okay. Uh, Warhammer Underworld's Roadmap. If you love those miniatures, I know that uh, I don't have a bunch of miniatures, but I know that us three have friends that love those things. We do. Um, Full armies. And in fact, Paul's wife is now painting those things. She's really good at it too. I'll, I'll get one for you. Oh, cool. I, I, I would like that. I would like that. Now, Fantasy Flight posts Star Wars Armada rules update. So if you are into Star Wars Armada, check those out so that you are up to date when you play with other people. Uh, we've got some, I guess, Sprite Glint is the name of these particular dice. They're from Kraken Dice. So if you don't have enough dice, the Lord knows if you're a tabletop gaming nerd, 
you will never right. have enough dice. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Then we've got, I'm going to pass this up. A Song of Fire and Ice, Raiders of Iron Island. It's, it's, it's Ice and Fire. I Sorry, Ice and Fire. I'm sorry. Anyway. It's, okay. it's a different thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, it's a tabletop miniatures game. Uh, of course, if you are familiar with the um, Game of Thrones, is based upon the book, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. So if you did Read not that. know that, though you should know that by now, especially if you're a nerd. Um, you know that there was a book. Did you read it? Did you read it? I read it. I didn't. I, didn't. I read it all I on my phone. I read all the Games of Thrones books and that and Wait. little Dunkin' and Egg extra little short stories. On my phone, I read all those. That's how good those stories are. Oh. You can't see it because of my I back. You can't see it. Back. You have a background. Put it in front of Hang your on. face. I will make my background go away. I can do that. Okay. I have that power. So those of you who are listening to our podcast, Paul's going to show one of these people. Yeah, so you should be watching. Maybe he'll post it on Facebook. And check I could it. post it on Facebook. Here is the shambling mound that my wife painted. Oh, that's very nice. Wow, that's yeah. very deep. Wow. Yes, it is. Right. That's very if you go shambling. To Paul's, if you go to Paul's house, knock on his door, he will give it to you. I will, I will show you my shambling mound. <laughs> that sounds kind of dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so that is it for the gaming news that we have for now. Uh, really? Shall, shall we go into the um, game to grow segment with Adam Davis? Sure. So you want to end with my jokes. We'll end this show with my oh, jokes. Uh, this, wait, is, this is not the podcast that has your joke segment. <laughs> no, no. I just have a couple. Okay. I, you know. <laughs> Cool. Sure, we can end with that. Um, if yeah, you want to hear more of our jokes from Rebecca, <laughs> check out the um, Clerking Off video on, um, on YouTube's. A second-rate podcast. Yes, you should. <laughs> All right, so. It's just different. It's not better. Adam Davis has to say. Yes. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Adam, so great to see you. It's been so long. What's going on with Game to Crow? Uh, game to Grow has Trish transitioned entirely virtual now in the coronaverse. So last time we talked, I don't remember how many clients we were seeing per week, uh, but we used to be re restricted to just the, the greater Seattle area. And now since we've gone entirely virtual, we've been able to extend our therapeutic social skills groups outside of just the greater Seattle area to now be worldwide. So we have people from wow. other continents coming to play Dungeons and Dragons in a therapeutic social skills group, become more confident, creative, and socially capable uh, from all over the world. That's you know, Adam, amazing. what I love is the fact that we, we knew you when you kind of first started off. We might have been your first podcast. I don't know. Uh, I'd like to say we are just because. You know. <laughs> sure, so, yeah. Uh, and by the way, for the uh, listeners and viewers, you can check out episode 47, which uh, we, we uh, talked to Adam the first time. And uh, man, I've watched you. Uh, you've grown. <laughs> just like in the title, right? And uh, yes. listen to you on other podcasts, and and I, I think to myself, it's like, man, I wonder if he remembers us. He's so <laughs> yes. doing great things, though. Um, yeah. And I know, have you branched? I, I know I talked to some of your your folks. They visited Olympia um, last uh, the pre-pandemic, pre-plague, um, and they were talking about maybe reaching it, doing a veterans thing. I don't know if you've done that. If you've gone or you've sidetracked because of COVID. We're, we're in the works, we're still in the works for that. So we have um, to, to fill, fill, to sort of backfill what's been going on with Game to Grow. So uh, we started off in 2017, Adam Johns and myself found a Game to Grow. It's, I think he and I were both on uh, your podcast previously. Um, we have, as a nonprofit, just continued to grow and expand thanks to donors, thanks to grants we've received, and so on and so forth. So we expanded our, our programming to not just be Dungeons and Dragons. Now we also have Minecraft-based uh, uh, social skills groups as well. We expanded the um, 
age range. So now we have adult groups instead of just uh, kids and teens groups, which has been a really fantastic opportunity as well. We also, because of the increasing demand, thanks to awesome podcasts like this one, helping us spread the word, um, we now, uh, we have hired new facilitators. So we have uh, 12 facilitators all running therapeutic social skills groups using games. Um, so that included uh, Jared and Elizabeth Kilmer, who are the people you were speaking, we were speaking to who came down to Olympia that time. Um, mm-hmm. Jared, uh, Dr. Jared Kilmer is our uh, director of counseling services. We've also have uh, individual counseling services now through game to grow And then Dr. Elizabeth Kilmer is our director of education and training. So we're also building a training program because as much as we can continue to expand game to grow both locally and internationally in the direct services, we want to help more people around the world. And the way to do that is to increase the training program so that practitioners around the world can serve their own communities, either virtually or in person. So that's been the latest exciting thing we've been up to. It's amazing. And just just let people know, look, these aren't a bunch of, we're all nerds, but they're not just a bunch of nerds that just got together to do nice things. They're they're (laughs) a bunch of nerds that actually have college education. They know what they're doing, graduate level degrees. Can can you uh, talk a little bit about maybe the, scientific bona fides that you and your staff have? Sure. So my background is I have a master's in education with a specialization in drama therapy. Uh, the other founder of Game to Grow, Adam Johns, his uh, his master's level degree is in couple and family therapy. Uh, the doctors Kilmer both have uh, doctorates in, in uh, counseling, in therapy, and in, in um, psychology. So they are bringing a lot of that high level uh, research-based uh, backgrounds into the work. So we're increasing this sort of... Um, uh, research-backed in, um, out, outcomes, we can actually say now, because they've got this really excellent um, approach that they can bring to it that in- incorporates a lot more research. So by that, I mean, not just like the, we can re- make better references to the impact, but we can also start doing research because Adam and I are great people, <laughs> but we don't have a research background. <laughs> so the, the Kilmers have come in and have really helped both, um, both bring that sort of, uh, academic outcome orientation to what we're doing. So we actually also are partnering with Foundry 10, a Seattle-based nonprofit to do some actual pre and post surveys, including some uh, uh, filming of our groups to actually get some pre and post data to, to have some uh, statistical evidence for the work that we're doing wow, too. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, there, and there are other groups I know out there that kind of do what you do. I, I'd be curious you know, on the research aspect of it where, you know, you putting in data and all these other folks, what uh, the end result is, is, is there, a, I'm, I'm sure there is, you wouldn't be doing it, you know, a positive outcome to some of this uh, that's happening. And I know, Adam, that I shared with you, uh, my middle child's a child uh, with special needs. And I've been, now that it's virtual, maybe I can get him in on one of your programs. Um, yeah. He, um, you know, right now he's going through the transition right now uh, at school. And what's really painful, and I'm sure, and maybe you can talk about this, is the is COVID is putting some of these kids in a situation where they're just not used to. It's better for them to be one on one with a human being or with other human beings. In the difficulty of, of doing this online, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that. The challenges that you've had to overcome. Sure. Well, I think. The, the interesting thing about COVID and, and the experience that a lot of us, especially in regions like ours that are more locked down, is that we're experiencing isolation for the first time. But what we're realizing is that isolation may be new, but um, loneliness is not. So there are a lot of people of all age ranges who are realizing that now that they're physically alone, but that experience of loneliness is something that is kind of familiar almost. And it's an an unfortunate, almost epidemic across the country. This loneliness is so pervasive and it has so many negative outcomes. We're disconnected from our communities. We're disconnected from our families. Some of us work too much. So it's really useful to then be able to have something like a game regularly scheduled that we can go to, to feel connected, to feel like our presence matters in an authentic way with people who care about us. Um, That the, the benefit of gaming, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir right now, is evident when we come together and we yeah. have this sort of celebrated shared experience. So what we bring at game to grow to the to these individuals' lives really is even more important now in the midst of the lockdowns and the isolation that we're having. And a lot of young people who are already isolated and already socially, you know, set back in a way because of the, the their their experience combining that with maybe a school system that is less than 
welcoming to them yeah. and their uniqueness, yeah. that what we bring is something that's actually extra important to them. So um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the specifics of the question, but I think it's really more evident than ever that not just kids, not just middle school age and not just high school age, but even adults right now need to come together and play and have yes. smiling faces. And we don't get to have, you know, in person, but we've adapted so well as a, as a society, I think right now to be able to use things like right now we're on, we're on zoom. Exactly. Yeah. And so how, what about your, you had two facilities, I think, or two places before COVID how your how has it affected your operations and um, how do you transition into this uh, this new world that you're in and and what do you I know this is kind of a long question you'll be talking a lot after this one is uh, <laughs> what are you going to do afterwards too when we when things go back to normal <laughs> I don't know sure I mean I'll 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 not, I'm not going to hold my breath until we get back to normal let me just say that sure. but so we used to run groups in our Kirkland based office we ran groups in Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle and in West Seattle uh, and in Tacoma so we had groups all over the place so we were running in person groups now we're transitioning entirely online and all of our groups all of our facilitators run their groups from their homes I'm at home right now um everybody just has their own home computers internet we've um have some work computers we could provide to some of our staff so that they could have a little bit of that support, but we're all kind of running these things from home. So the, the, at, at a certain point when we are able to go back into the office, I think we will still have those in-person groups because there's so much benefit to being able to sit around a table together yeah. and actually interact. There's so, so many things about being in a virtual space are perfect because we can actually bring services into people's homes. So there's no longer a need for a parent to be, have to drive anyone to group. Um, there's no longer that awkward space right. after school that then what does the kid do for that hour and a half before the parent takes them, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been great. So we'll, we'll probably always continue to offer virtual services um, in perpetuity now because we can serve so many more people and there's, we've removed some of the barriers to participation that I think are oh yeah, great. Um, as far as will we run per, in-person groups again? I, I sincerely expect we will. And I, I will hope that we can because there are some young people who are, able to transition into an online space perfectly. And then others really benefit from having an in-person contact. And there's so many things you miss. Right now, we're all looking in each other's faces right now, but we're not really. Yeah. So it's hard, it's hard to tell who I'm making eye contact with. Exactly. We're in, a, in an in-person group. There's so much body language that can, be, that can go into having that conversation where, you know, you can have side conversations and it's not inappropriate but where when we're on zoom if i wanted to have a quick conversation say wow i really like your shirt yeah neither of you know who i'm talking about exactly right? yeah clearly me clearly <laughs> no I'm wearing an orange <laughs> <laughs> the truth is i like both of your shirts oh thank you oh. <laughs> so have you had to shut down those things um i guess those two sites um i guess you're saving on rent Yes. Well, we still, we still have our main office. We're not, we're not renting out. We used to rent a space in West Seattle. Um, and the downside is these are all organizations that we're working with that I love supporting. So I mean, we were working at the Youngstown Cultural Arts Center in West Seattle. We were utilizing the um, Finney Neighborhood Association space. So it was a lot of sort of nonprofits working together. So it's, yeah. it's a bummer that we can't continue to work with these great organizations, but we are saving in rent <laughs> in, in the short term. Our, we're still, we still have a lease on our office space in Kirkland. So that's been mostly Adam Johns will go there sometimes to check the mail. And occasionally he can yeah. run a group there. He's got a, a kid at home. So it's easier to do a recorded podcast or a group when his, his um, three-year-old isn't coming in to say hi. <laughs> yeah. So he sometimes goes to the office, but for the most part, um, everybody's working from home now. Uh, I know how that's like. I mean, it's, uh, well, for me, unfortunately, I'm always out, but uh, I know a lot of my friends are kind of stuck at home. Um, have you had, um, uh, do you have a lot of interactions with the parents too? Um, I, I guess they, they join you virtually or? No, actually, with that, that has been one thing that was, it's, it's kind of too bad about the shift in virtual groups is we used to be able to have a lot more contact with the families because families would drop off their kids. Um, it, in our Kirkland space, we have a waiting room. So we would 
sort of pick the pick the youth up and then drop them off. I say kids. We have kid, you know, participants ranging from eight and up. Uh, so I say kids very lovingly for all of the teenagers <laughs> that are that are in groups as well. Um, so that, that's been a, a sort of setback, unfortunately, that we don't have that same amount of family contact time, and that's been an extra level of like trying to make sure that we reach out and say offer phone calls to the parents and meetings um, so that they can reach out and connect with the facilitators because so much of the work that we do is not just with the individual, it's with the family and helping yeah. them understand and give them something that they can share in the, in the sort of authentic celebration of what's going on in the game because they'd have a hard time. Cause most kids, I don't know if y'all are have experience with kids and they say, well, how was school today? Fine. What'd you do? Oh, my this is a dumb story but my mom worked at a bank forever and then they talked to her about asking open-ended questions so she could give better customer service so instead of asking me how my day was um like how's your day fine she would ask me she would say tell me how your day went and then i'll tell her about my day hmm. i imagine it's much like that where you're training the parents also how to interact with their kids. Yes. And that's fantastic. And we, uh, we have check-in questions that we do in our groups. That's how we start every session of a, of a Dungeons and Dragons or a Minecraft group is a check-in question that sort of gets the conversation going. It's a semi-structured uh, social space uh, it, transitioning from an unstructured social space into a Dungeons and Dragons or Minecraft space. We have this, more formal structured structured uh, interactions. And then we will oftentimes tell the parents what those check-in questions are so they can continue to have those conversations. Something like, what is your favorite thing about the fall season? Or if you could have oh, wow. a bathtub filled with anything, what would it be? <laughs> you know, we just kind of just random get to know you questions um, through the process that then is a, a, a nice opportunity for them to be able to connect with their young people as well. That is awesome. Um, one thing I want to make sure we don't miss is um, your work on Critical Core. So yes. Critical Core, to place, uh, tell us a little about what that is and it's coming out soon. Yes, it's been an amazing labor of love, Critical Core. So we uh, launched that on Kickstarter in 2019 um, with uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about how we could take what we've been doing for 10 years and <laughs> put it into a box kit um, and launch it out. And so the, the, the mission for Critical Core is really to take the, the work of Game to Grow and the therapeutic application of role-playing games and turn that into a beginner's box, a starter set of therapeutic role-playing games. Awesome. So the Critical Core box set was on Kickstarter. We had uh, hundreds of times the amount of, of our percentage really, really, really we're well. expecting. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot the number specifically, but we got some, some, some support from uh, Matt Mercer, um, tossed his support to the project, and we had some really great vocal, enthusiastic uh, support in the D&D community. So we were very successful. I had lots of good stretch goals. And then um, the working on it has been a, a real labor of love. Like I said, we've done some testing. We've done, we've had some, awesome artists put their work into it as well. But the, the box kit really is a, a couple of different things. It's a simplified rule set of, we use the open gaming license from Dungeons and Dragons. Adam Johns was really the game designer, okay. so to speak. Okay. Um, to making a, uh, using open gaming license to make a Dungeons and Dragons similar experience. So it's still a D20 system. You still have your, your understanding of the um, attributes. So it's a very much an entree to a, to a, D and D style role playing game, but the goal there for this for the rule system itself was to make it really accessible not just to a neurodivergent crowd, but also to brand new game masters. Because uh, right. Adam Johns and I were we were the keynote presenters at the Washington Association of Marriage and Family Therapy, and we've done these kinds of presentations for therapists, and the therapists are so excited about the work. Gosh, I want to use role playing games too. How do I get into this? How do I? you know, use this in my practice before we had the training program. And we were like, well, you first, you have to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I, you know, I recommend you get the books and then yeah. learn how to play and then learn how to be a game master, then game master. And then, you know, it became this process where that was the participation boundary. That was the, you know, that was the, the bottleneck. Is they that couldn't, could be intimidating. Exactly. And so we, what we, what we wanted to do was make the, make a game that was quicker to learn than a game like Dungeons and Dragons, but still had all of this rich fantasy and the sort of um, might and mystery and magic and monsters and all these M words. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, they, uh, so we, we put that into the box kit. We also have a, a facilitator's guide, which is 
the way we structure our sessions, the sort of tips and tricks that we've built over 10 years of doing this kind of work, and then also an adventure design. So we have three modules that are inside the Critical Core box set. And that one is uh, every single encounter in each one of those adventures has is really directly tied to the real world areas of social growth that we want our players to, to cultivate. Awesome. Yeah, and that's going to production soon. So we have, uh, we're, we have, have uh, put in our deposit. Uh, so we are now getting these, these kits manufactured. They'll be, they should be shipping uh, early next year. Great. That's fantastic. I'm really excited about it. It has been a labor of love. No, it's great. great project. <laughs> yeah. So do you find because your kind of your model is using RPGs as a way of therapy, um, do you, I, I'm assuming you lean more toward the role-playing aspect, obviously, than the, the mechanic, the mechanics or the, the combat, the dice rolling. Uh, and how do you, how do you balance that? So it's really, all of it is important. Uh, all of it is important. My background, like I said earlier, is in drama therapy and the, the way that we bring that approach into the application of the game. And that's, that's for therapy, capital T therapy for uh, education, but also for general community support. So we, we want, don't want to focus this just on therapists because anybody can really make the world a better place with a well-run game. So um, the, the story is really where the magic is. And all of the mechanics of the game should support an interesting story because they allow for success and they allow for failure. And both of those things are interesting in stories. They are kind of unfortunate when you're playing a game where you just want to be successful all the time. But if you're focusing on the characterization and the focusing on the narrative, then good stories have both triumph and disaster. Yes. And growth happens through both triumph, but especially disaster. And so we want to see that kind of relationship that our players take with their characters and experience the vicarious successes and failures of their characters to gain that confidence from the successes, but also the insight and the, the learning opportunities that happen from failure. Right. Yes. That, that, that D20 role, I tell you what, on a D20, uh, you know, you get that natural 20. I mean, everyone, I mean, there, there's great stories with that, just as well as the rolling a one. <laughs> the natural uh, ones. A lot of great stories with that. <laughs> <laughs> and and be, when, when people roll low, that there's an opportunity there for the story to be interesting. So we always right. want to say when someone rolls a low roll, whether it's a critical fail or just a four, right? You're rolling a perception check to see if you're, what your mm-hmm. character sees as you're tromping through the woods. And then someone rolls a four. And I say, why did you roll a four? Like what, what happens to your character that they are not noticing anything? And then it's an open book, right? You can say, well, I'm looking, my, my character is looking through their backpack and they're yeah. trying to trying to find the right, you know, better shoelaces for their boots because their shoelaces are wet walking through the snow or whatever, you know, whatever thing yeah, they, they- That's great. Oh, I, I like you as a DM. I mean, my other DM just wants to kill me on it every time. <laughs> well, I try. That's part of our, part of our, part of our <laughs> training is making sure the game master knows their, their, their job is multifaceted, right? So how about, what do you recommend for somebody like myself with a, you know, with a special needs child and, and maybe, I mean, obviously you don't know his, his background or anything, but um, maybe you can give us recommendations as what type of modules do you actually use? Is there a particular campaign that's better than others or do you, is it all we homebrew home, stuff? We, we homebrew almost everything. Oh, okay. Uh, we can reuse things we've homebrewed, but it's it that kind of personal relationship with with the story is really important. Yeah. And we we do a lot of collaborative homebrew as well. So we don't just I don't come in with my story. I come in with an idea for a story, and then the 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 story itself, the plot will shift as the player is making those decisions. So we don't really do a sandbox world. I don't make up a world and then bring that world to the game. I kind of have a a story seed that I'll bring in and then with the players come up with the world together. And then that right there, that sort of collaboration mindset is, a, is the, the sort of yes and from improv that we want to also cultivate in the players that we're looking at each other, the player and the game master and the players and each other as rich resources for the, the human experience. We want, to, we want to have this space be one where we can actually get excited about, I want, oh gosh, I wonder what Steve's going to say next. <laughs> Right. And that, right. we want that from each other. And so the, the, when, when my advice to you would be to play whichever module is the one that makes you lean in and makes your son lean in and get excited about it. And if that's homebrew, we can talk about that too. We do all, we have a whole system for collaboratively homebrewing games as well. well that sounds hard though. I mean, <laughs> I, I tried homebrew and that, 
that's not easy. <laughs> that's really it's hard. Not. Um, it's not easy, but it's, it's, there's a couple of different sort of um, things you can get good at, which make a homebrewing easier. And some of that is being comfortable improvising. So one of the things we talk about in the training program is understanding story structure helps you understand how to be an improviser as a game master, because okay. you don't necessarily need to know what your story is, but you need to know the components of stories so that you can okay. put, the, put the puzzle pieces together as you need to. Okay. So a scene always has certain components to a scene. And if you, if you conceptualize your in-game scenarios, your encounters as scenes as if they're in a book or a movie or a play, then you have characters who have something that they desire and something in between them and the thing that they desire. That's a scene. And so as a game master, you can just make sure you are always aware of the obstacle and the desire. And then the players make up whatever their tactics are to get to overcome that obstacle and get to, to get to their desire. Well, in 30 seconds, I got so much smarter. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Sure. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so what, um, I, I I know you do, a, you really do a lot. And I'm looking at your website here and you talk about services, groups for youth, groups for adults, groups for parents. What do you, and then individual counseling. Can you talk about, what do you do with parents? Is it uh, just telling so, them what you're about to go into? Or? <laughs> no, the, so the, the parent groups are just now starting. Um, another one of our group um, facilitators, uh, Carrie Yarvey has been a group facilitator with, with us for many years and he was going through grad school and he's, he's trained in uh, child focused play therapy. And so he has a, a lot of resources to bring to help parents play with their kids better. So you were asking how you could play with your son, go to one of those groups, Carrie, could she, Carrie could walk you through that. And that's almost like a consultation group, that one in particular. I'm really excited about this one because parents will come, they'll join a, a weekly opportunity to learn some skills from someone who's trained in supporting parents and then also play with their kids and then come back the next week and talk about how that process went, um, learn some more tips from other parents. We, we really believe in the peer learning model. So we use that in our, in our therapeutic social skills groups for our kids, teens, and adults, but also the same thing is true for our training program. We want the people who come to the training program to learn from each other. And the same thing is true of our parents' groups. We want them to be a resource for each other so that there's a, we have a Discord, for, we have a public-facing Discord, but we also have a Discord for people who have attended our training program so they can stay connected, share wow. some ideas, and they're sharing resources. It's really, uh, as, as I said, I was trained as an educator and in you know, the newer phases of education, it's not just the teacher putting information in the brains of the students. It's about cultivating a space where we can all learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So you got uh, training for game, game master workshops in here. Mm -hmm. So that's um, part, part of our, <laughs> part of our training program is uh, that there's three different trees of the training program. There's the mental health tree, the educator tree, and the community tree. And each one of those focuses on different outcomes and different expectations we want them to be oriented towards. So someone in the mental health tree might be able to focus more on the very specific uh, kind of mental health needs of their clients. The educators are learning more about how to align learning targets with the in-game scenarios. And then the community one is much more oriented. It's a, it's a shorter training because you're not focusing on mental health outcomes or educational outcomes, really just focusing on building community and helping people connect with each other and celebrate the rich tapestry of the human experience. Um, and each one of those focuses on um, learning how to be a game master, certainly, but you also have to have experience in order to understand and integrate some of this. So between levels one and two, there's an expectation you have played enough Dungeons and Dragons or whatever role-playing game of choice so that you can actually integrate some of the later stuff. So by the time oh, okay. you get to level three, you have to have a certain number of hours of Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing game game mastering experience. So we provide that. If you, if you don't have a community out there that you can workshop your GMing skills with, then we can help you have that. I always thought about maybe getting, getting involved with helping out veterans and stuff, but... Uh, Come on over. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun, actually. Yeah. Um, and we have been... Um, workshopping. So both uh, Dr. Jared and Elizabeth, Doctors Kilmers, um, they both have experience using Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games in the VA system. So we oh, part wow. of the excitement about them coming on is expanding to serve veterans. So there's something in the pipeline there that's not set in stone yet, but we have something in the pipeline there. So if you're if you're out there listening and you want to get involved as, as a veteran, you can uh, 
let us know. We'd love to, to keep you informed about that. You can go to gametogrow.org slash veterans. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Great. That's not on the, even on the website yet. That's how new it is. So by the time this Ooh. episode goes well, live, it'll be right actually, here. Yeah. No, so, actually down below you. <laughs> the top, uh, you know, we, you still, you know, you're, you still need help. You're nonprofit. It's not like you're rolling in dough. So how do people uh, help you out? Well, um, Giving Tuesday is right around the corner. Um, I don't know when this episode will go live, but um, every day is Giving Tuesday if you'd like to support a nonprofit of your choice. Every Tuesday. <laughs> um, so uh, people can go to gametogrow.org slash support. Uh, you can make donations. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so all donations are tax deductible. But there's even things if you're not someone who uh, has the, the comfort level making a large donation, you can still go to smile.amazon.com instead of amazon.com. A small portion of your sales go to a game to grow if you're someone who shops on Amazon. Um, you can dedicate your humble bundles. There's lots of little ways you can also support. Those of us in the Seattle area, you can actually go to Kroger where if you shop at Fred Meyer or QFC. Oh, wow. And you can make a small portion of your uh, sales go to uh, go to Game to Grow as well. So you can awesome. do find find all about find about out about all of those things at GameToGrow.org/support. You know, and before we we wrap it up, I, I forgot that it's one thing I'm just curious with. So, how do you do your virtual games? Do you do you use Roll Twenty? Do you see Fantasy Grounds? Oh, yeah. We sometimes we use PowerPoint <laughs> on the Zoom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I great D and D Beyond. <laughs> Uh, so D&D Beyond actually uh, has been a supporter of game to grow So they oh, give right us on. access. So we, we provide access to all of our players to D&D Beyond, which is awesome. So I use right. D&D Beyond to plan my encounters and then also have all of our character sheets. The, the players have access to it so they can make their own character sheets. So that's fantastic because I can see their see their character sheets and plan appropriately for their awesome. characters. Um, every game master, outside of that, every game master is different. I'm a theater of the mind person. I vastly love to be able to describe things and shift things. And I've never been particularly good at navigating Roll20 um, or any of those other systems. And my particular orientation is that I'm, I want it to be perfect. So I focus on it instead of on the game. I've always been that way with Roll20. So I don't use Roll20 that much, but um, some of our game masters do. Uh, Michael Moore, who's on our team, he actually did a couple of webinars. If you're looking at our website, um, there is a couple of webinars you can go, uh, you know, register for that he walks and I've watched those webinars several times to become better at using Roll20 because Michael's such an expert at it. So, and we have those up uh, for people if they want to learn more about that. Um, I've actually, my, my, my dream plan is because I'm at home, um, I thought about getting an overhead camera. We recently played a game on Fabled 42 as part of Warrior Week for, uh, with, the, with the Wounded Warrior Project. Okay. And uh, Chris Solo over at Fabled 42 uh, did a game, he was the tech support for a game, two games that we ran that day. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kilmer ran one, Adam Johns ran one, and he actually has an overhead camera that he put on, he puts on a, on a board and then moves the pieces around. Yeah. So I'm totally inspired by that. I'm going to get a second camera over here on the side that I can actually then move pieces around. And yeah, we've, we've done that on this. Oh, it seems like, so, like that's have. the sort of tactile experience. <laughs> I, I want to do that. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait till we actually get back together again, actually see each other, and I'd like to see you again at one of these cons, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, what, what? Tell me really quickly. I know that that I'm sure you've said this before on other podcasts, but what's 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 the plan for OrgaCon next year? Well, uh, virtual, obviously. Um, yeah. Just keep our name out there and uh, go to orgcon.org. Is that correct, Paul? I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's correct, <laughs> Steve. Right. We're the worst uh, board members ever. I know. We're horrible <laughs> board members. Uh, but yeah, we're we're going virtual. Um, hey, you know we're looking for people to run games, so you know feel free to do that. All right, I would love to to yeah. have have. Yeah, have we we just want to keep our keep our name going so that hopefully you know in twenty twenty two. Sure, we can all, we can all look at faces and touch stuff and right. look um, at stuff and touch faces maybe. Right. <laughs> Even by twenty twenty two, you never know. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then maybe uh, you know. That you and the other Adam and Paul and I can have a couple beers at that restaurant the Bellevue Hill. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's uh, oh man, play wow. play, uh, play some Dungeon Mayhem places. or something. You know, <laughs> I love that. That sounds great. So, Adam, <laughs> um, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? 
So if people go to gametogrow.org, you'll see everything we offer there. Yeah. Uh, but I suggest joining the newsletter, gametogrow.org slash newsletter. And then people can also follow Game to Grow on Twitter and Facebook, just at Game T-O Grow. Not the number two, but T-O, just like cool. right above me, right there. Ah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for the work that you do. Yeah. It's it's thank so you. cool. One of my first thoughts when we had the lockdowns, like, oh, my God, what is Game to Grow going to do? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they support yeah. all these people uh, getting together in person, and now no one can do that. So yeah, thank you was, again so much. I, I appreciate you having me. It's been great being back on the show. It's again, man, I really appreciate it. Till next time. Yeah, keep the good work. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Dragonflight, a tabletop games convention dedicated to promoting the educational and social benefits of gaming in the Pacific Northwest. Sign up now at dragonflight.org. Now back to our show. I love talking to Adam. I wish we could have also spoken to Adam, but Adam couldn't make it. So we only talked to Adam. So out of the two Adams, which is your favorite? Adam? Oh, Adam, Adam Davis is my favorite. Adam Johns, like, not so much. Wow. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I like, I love them both. Okay. That, well, that was the right answer. That was a good, <laughs> good, safe like answer. A political answer. Just so crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you should be a politician. Just, you know what I love about those guys is that they're willing to talk to us. Um, that's that's the number one thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I love about them is the work that they great. do because it is well, amazing. They do great work, but they're willing to talk to us. That makes them well, yeah. nice people. That makes them nice people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People that will talk to us, I like. They do good work and they're nice people. They do such good work. It's amazing. Double A plus. Right. Are 100%. there people that you've tried to interview that don't want to talk to you? Yes. <gasps> no. Uh-huh. And they're wow. mean. Wow. Yeah, they're they were kind of mean. And they file restraining orders against me. <laughs> well, no- I, when you get all grabby like that, it's... Don't How do grabby. I get them on the show? <laughs> come, have to use- you tell me, right? Come, come to our table where we have the microphone. Right. So you're going to have to use different tactics, though, now that everything's zoomy. To you have to get some... You're going to have to grab them visually somehow. Yes. Hypnotize them. Oh, I don't hypnotizing know. Something. great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, but are you, game to are you doing it now, Blue Samurai? Are you doing it right now? He's doing it right now. Hypnotize us, okay? Mm-hmm. The game to grow. What great work they do, and now they're global. Yep. It's it's abs- it's absolutely amazing. I'm proud of them. They're not mine to be proud of, but I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. Blue Samurai, what are, are you? you well, I'm 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 letting Paul do his thing because he was going to do his thing. But this is not very well scripted, so people are well, we don't script sausage behind this. I guess we've been we're a little rusty because we haven't been podcasting. Well, we, we did the bit where we said how great they were, <laughs> and then we usually go into the next thing. Well, also I'm drinking tea mm-hmm. and not beer. What? So my energy level and therefore. You know, well, all the sharp, razor-sharp wit that well, drinking, listeners are accustomed to. I'm drinking to. gin and not vodka, so my razor-sharp whip is down as well. I don't have anything to drink right now, but... I'm sorry. I think what we I could talk about, and we, we could inform our, our fans, our many, many, many Throngs. fans... Throngs yes. of fans. Of what, we're, uh, what the future's looking like, so... Uh, we will hopefully have an interview in the near future of uh, Executive Director Donna Pryor for Pecan, finding what's going on there. Yes. And uh, yours truly with my two lovely hosts, along with special guest Steve Morawick, we are going to be giving you a review of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Tasha's thing of things. Yay. That was, so that was her hideous laughter right there. First thing we're going to be doing is going through the classes and the subclasses. So I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. Um, Artificer uh, um, seems very complicated to me. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that one. I can't get into it. I'm the one. It's, um, I'm, I'm a halfling warlock dude. You know me. 
Yes. <laughs> That's what I like. Yes. Um, but hey, uh, yeah. I was going to say, we're also going to do a review of, is it called Storm Lord's Wrath? Is that the... Storm Lord's Wrath. We're, we're almost done with Storm Lord's Wrath. We are going to be doing a review of that as well. I have some definite opinions on Storm Lord's Wrath. I bet you oh, do. Oh, good. Good or bad? Both. Yeah, you'll be okay. the you'll be the behind the behind the DM screen. Uh, this will be a behind the DM screen yeah. sort of a situation. Wow. Where we play that special wow. song and we have that special screen thing up here. Yeah. I, uh, There's I, a special song? I like it. There is. There is. Like but, but boy, if you ever listened to or watched our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I watch your Rebecca, podcast all the time, Polly. Rebecca, do you like the game so far? I do. I do. I I um I, uh, what do I like about it? You say what you like about it, and then I like the I, DM. Oh, uh, wow, amazing way to <laughs> ass kiss. He's still gonna, <laughs> he's still gonna, he's still gonna the, kill you off. <laughs> the, the DM is focused on killing only one person in the group. Yeah, I noticed that. I've noticed that. There's just one person he wants to kill. So far, you have been unsuccessful, right? So. Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> I like I like my character. I mean, I don't know. Oh, and yes, and and and, and, and people out there, if you ha have knowledge of um, an Aarakocra player's movement, please email us, call us. Our phone number is two zero eight six one geeks. Let me know the rules for Aarakocra movement. Can you be specific? They well, they, they don't really. The, the books don't share um, the um, um, movement up and down, the vertical movement. It just seems to say what the horizontal movement is. But Eric Hooker can fly. I feel like it's just they might have left it out because it's just sort of negligible. I mean, you're. I mean, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna calculate my movement on this slant until I'm up at cruising speed. I mean, but you know, Aarakocra, it, it ought to be able to fly up 200 feet in the air. I feel like because my monk character has a speed of what, 40 and Aarakocra, which is also me has a speed of 50. I feel like I should get 90. 90. I feel like I should be able to run up and then fly. And then, you know, land well if any that's of you what out i feel like have a so of, uh, flying characters in dnd games i which i don't allow by the way um <laughs> and the reason i geeks of cascadia gmail.com or tweet us at geeks of cascadia or call us at 20861 geeks or we we even have a facebook page too yeah or do that yes do that. or take a picture and put it on instagram and tag us in it what else right. is left? TikTok? Do we have a TikTok thing no, yet? Oh, I guess do... I have to do a TikTok now. Jesus. We should do a Twitch. We're thinking about doing that. Um, anything we could else? do a Twitch, but there's the whole swearing in the middle thing where it's live. And... <laughs> but are you enjoying Storm Lord's Wrath? I am. I think it's great. Yeah, I, think, I love uh, it. I, we've had a lot of dragons thus far. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's, that's me inserting things. Um <laughs> There's a lot of Dragon of Ice Fire Peak in there. So it's like you guys keep wondering. Like, I'm so tired of Fandolin. Can I just say how tired I'm of Fandolin? I, oh I like God. what amazing real estate barons our party has quickly become. Oh, yeah. This, you guys just collect real we, estate. We got a mountain. We got a, a pit. What else do we have? We have like we a, a house. We, we got, got a mansion. mansion. We got a tower. We got a tower, which mm. with... Um, uh, and a mountain and a you, you call that music, thing that is a, a lighthouse it's a lighthouse lighthouse okay which is a tower not all towers are lighthouses no, but, no, like but all, all lighthouse. lighthouses are towers <laughs> what's that samurai of blue I was say attached to a fortress sure yeah so that's kind of fun you've yeah, <laughs> got lots of real estate if you want to claim all these places <laughs> Uh, but we're gonna anyway. We're gonna do that. I think that's the future. So Tasha's Cauldron of Everything review, a review of Storm Lord's Wrath, and hopefully some 
info into um, Orcacon. And I hope we can get another, uh, I don't know what we call it, but maybe a, a classic game review of the past from David Carnahan from sure, maybe. Alexandria RPG. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but I want to apologize, all the folks out there. I know we used to do these like once every two weeks. One time we used to do it once a week, but yeah. it's just been so hard since all three of us are essential. Yeah. Um, we keep on, um, we didn't think this would be going this long. So it's hard for us to get the what time are you gonna do? at the same time. Guess I'm going to have to learn how to use computers better. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. Probably. Doesn't seem like this shit is ending. Oh, sorry. Oh my goodness, she said it. I, 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 I couldn't. Yeah, that was one. Damn it. Oh, All right, shit. Do we, do we have anything else before we sign off? Uh, well, no, did we... Uh, uh, play more games. Have fun. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, we'll no, do that. Nothing. I got nothing except one little joke. Oh, your joke. Oh, What's your ahead. joke? Tell your joke. I just wanted to share with everyone that I'm reading a book on uh, anti-gravity. And I just can't put it down. Oh, oh, uh, oh! That was the oh, that was the yeah. joke. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, uh, that wasn't the joke. That was just the I, one that I found I, here. Do you have another? I have a, I have a, I have a new theory on inertia that I'm working on, what but it does that? doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm on a little. Well, side. with that, wait, embrace wait. the nerd. <laughs> wait. <laughs> and I hope you make that saving throw. Man, no one's embracing me. Cascadia Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.